0: Hello boys and girls and welcome back to the next episode of Nerd Out Sanctuary. My name is Michael Donato, your your host. That's right, uh, your host of Nerd Out Sanctuary. This is episode 16. Um, I'm filming this right, almost right after episode uh, 15, so hopefully I can get this one out relatively soon. We'll see how my turnaround is. The NFL draft is tonight and I'm probably going to watch that because I'm a huge football fan. And I'll probably just edit the episode during that time while I'm watching it. But uh, yeah, um, tell me if you guys are football fans. But uh, yeah, we're going to be talking a couple films today. And we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be taking a break uh, from my top 100 films of all time. And get into another list that I'm um, really looking forward to talking about. Sorry, my my cord from my mic is kind of being weird but anyway but uh we're we're getting into another list and it's gonna be a late one it's definitely a late list but um i'm getting into my top 10 films of 2019 yes i get it it's the end of april of 2020 i'm like what four months too too late but i I think it's better late than never and there was some pretty great films that i saw um in twenty in 2019, some I did miss, and I'll be pointing those out too. That might have cheated their themselves in there. So we'll be talking about that. That's the, at the end of the episode, and uh, we're also gonna be talking about two films today. It's like a film, totally film uh, podcast episode today. No TV shows, no video games, no anything else other than movies. So we got two interesting films to talk about. I'm really excited to talk about. Um, but uh, yeah, how how are you guys doing? I uh, hope you guys are enjoying my content here. Um. Uh, like I said uh, in previous episodes, this is a video podcast, um, so if you're checking this out on YouTube, this is also an au- just an audio podcast, so that's pretty much any—the the major three big audio podcast platforms, that's Spotify, that's iTunes, and that's Google Play, so— yeah, check me out on there. Give me a subscribe on iTunes. Give me a review or whatever you whatever you do on Google Play and Spotify. I have an iPhone, so I usually just use um, the iTunes podcast. But anyway, and if you're just listening on one of those platforms, know that this is also a YouTube channel. This is a video podcast. And so I upload these to YouTube. I put some like, graphics to the my left, your right yeah, you're right, so, I'm sorry, I'm really, I'm dyslexic, and I'm, like, uh, it, that fucks with my head, but, um, yeah, so, I put, I think, I think it's definitely worth checking it out on YouTube, so, yeah, um, I'm there, I'm, I'm all those four plat- platforms, so, yeah, uh, I appreciate you giving me, a uh, uh, subscribe on YouTube, giving me a like for my episodes, it, it helps me out a lot, a great deal, um, so, yeah, thanks for checking me out if you are, and, uh, yeah, comment, I will respond to you on YouTube, absolutely respond to you. Um, I don't get many comments, but when I do, I respond. Um, whether it's negative or positive, I will respond to you. So, yeah, um, without further ado, guys, let's just uh, hop right into this episode, which might be short, might be long, I don't know. I'm leaning towards pretty long because I think the top 10 of 2019 is going to be a long segment. But anyway, so let's get into a, my first film that um, may or may not be in my top ni- top on. Uh, 10 of 2019 but we're talking ford v ferrari that's right ford v ferrari uh came uh came out um in 2019 in november late 2019 um um, if you're unfamiliar with the story of ford v ferrari it's a uh sort of biopic Based off of a true story, um, American car designer Carroll Shelby uh, and driver Ken Miles battle corporate interference and the laws of physics to build a revolutionary race car for Ford Motor Company in order to defeat Ferrari at the 24 hours of Le Mans in 1966. So this is definitely back in the day. So... Um, It's directed by James Mangold, and if you aren't familiar with him, he's done some older, like, older films. He's done Identity, which is based off of a Stephen King novel starring John Cusack, I believe. Never saw it, but I heard good things about it. He directed uh, 310 to Yuma, which is a really good western, um, also with Christian Bale in it. Um, And he also is responsible for The Wolverine, not Wolverine Origins, The Wolverine. That's like that whole... Japanese one and also he directed and wrote and produced um Logan so that's the big one that's really really impressive Logan is really great not the most original film I mean it's it's pretty much the last of us but with you know Wolverine placed in there but just because it isn't original doesn't mean it's not fucking amazing so yeah Logan is an incredible film I love Logan so yeah um so a talented director, very talented director. Uh, the two main actors in this one are Christian Bale. He plays the driver Ken Miles, and Matt Damon, who plays Carroll Shelby, the guy who's, you know, the car designer. Him, him, and Ken Miles kind of team up. They get they get hired by Ford to compete with Ferrari in this Le Mans, um, twenty four hour long race. So they need to design and race a Ford car, and basically. The whole story is basic. Tr- Ford is trying to beat Ferrari and build up their sales because there have been they've been dropping off a little bit here. Um, John Barenthal is also co-stars and he plays uh, Lee Iacocca, which is really cool. He does a really good job. But I mean, that's pretty much it with the major actors in the film. Um, I will say now, this is definitely a car junkie type of film. If you're really into cars and racing and stuff like that. Like, I know a lot of people in the construction industry who would probably absolutely love this film. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, they talk specifics with cars and like models and, you know, RPMs, you know, horsepower type of stuff that a lot of, a lot of car junkies are very into. I mean, I've never been a huge car junkie because I never, my, my, I, I was never really raised with cars, but they always fascinated me. And I'm always like, you know, very interested to hear what other people, are like, such as my coworkers, just talk about them because they're very passionate about it now is this a film that's just for car junkies though is is this just a car junkie film though well let's let's let let's get into this because i would disagree with that statement um i think this is a film that everybody can enjoy um let's get let's just get into the specifics of why i think this film is Pretty incredible. Um, the film takes place in 1966, so it's back in the day. It's, I mean, it's in the 60s, and I think the filmmakers do an exceptional job with capturing the time. I mean, that's I'm talking. <clears throat> obviously, the use of classic cars definitely helps, and they, the cars that they use in the film are really cool, and uh, I think just the aesthetic of of these cars are really sick and the way you know they race them they drive them is very very awesome but i mean also the music the classical jazz saxophone type like you know um brass horn music is very 60s feel which i liked a lot um the locations and costuming i mean clearly have a the whole 60s filter on it and just it's just a the general they they capture the general feel of the time period very well and that's something that it, I'm, I'm sure is extremely hard to do um so i mean we're in we're we're 2020 now i mean that was what fucking 60 years ago now so crazy But uh, yeah, Um, another thing, um, the racing scenes are unbelievable. They're unbelievably good. The racing scenes are exceptional. I mean, you can always bring up like, oh, well, you know, Fast and Furious is really cool too. Yeah, but it's not realistic at all. Fast and Furious can be cool, but like, it's not very it's not like this this big word that i always love to use in my in my podcast episodes visceral you know realistic has that intensity to them that's what this film has the racing scenes in this do not disappoint and when it's like kind of scary it's scary and intense like when people crash and like burn up like it's actually legitimately scary and like you There's scenes in this where Ken Miles is in the car and, like, he's pushing the car very hard because that's kind of a big issue with, you know, trying to generate as much speed with the Ford vehicle, especially the engine that they, like, you know, it just, like, can the car take it for, you know, 24 hours, but, um, so... Yeah, like sometimes it's like, oh, he's pushing really pushing the car a little too hard and like it like you can die. Like drivers have died in this and there's been some there's some close calls and it's it's it it, it it supplies with very suspenseful scenes, especially the final, you know, Le Mans twenty four hour race at the very end. It doesn't disappoint, it's incredibly hyped up and it meets and exceeds expectations almost. I mean again, my expectations for this film were really high because I heard nothing but positive film positive um, things about it, but I, kn- I didn't, I didn't really expect this film to be this good, so it's, it's very rare that a film, ex- almost exceeds my expectations, because my expectations are rarely met, sorry if my, I think my hair is kind of getting fucked up, but I'm, you don't, you don't come for my hair, it's such a random thought, Michael, stay on target, Jesus Christ, stay on target with the film, Four v Ferrari here, but yeah, so yeah, the racing is phenomenal, <clears throat> um, now, I mentioned that this this film really it, it, that's it's you know they could be said oh it's only for car junkies you know it's only a car junkie type of film, and I said I would disagree with that one because the story is incredible, I think it's a very relatable story, um also the acting is incredible, well I'll, I'll get to the acting a little bit later let's let's tackle one um issue at a time here so the main story it, it, yes there's cars and racing involved but it, it's really about you know passion and having a passion about something and standing for that passion going through with it and basically knowing what's important in a situation because an issue ends up ford is doing this to sell cars and that they might sacrifice other people's, you know, desires, you know, such as our main characters, passion for racing and cars and all of that. And that's incredibly relatable. You know, my passion is films and, you know, entertainment and doing this. And I didn't really let anything get in the way. There's, there's a lot of reasons why I, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have done this podcast. There's a lot of reasons. But I mean, like, obviously, I'm not making any money doing this. This is a hobby to me. And, well, but it's also a passion of mine. You know, you know, Ken Miles does racing and works on car as a passion. He doesn't really do it for the money. And, you know, Carroll Shelby is also feels the same way. And Ford is clearly in this for, you know, selling cars. I mean, they are a company. They're a corporation. And, you know, that is very relatable to a lot of people. You know, sometimes your passion is not, doesn't, doesn't bring home the bread and doesn't put food on the table. And that's real. It's it, it sucks because I think everyone should try to pursue, you know, their their passion and try to find ways on how to like you know work in and incorporate their passion into their work because I think it you know helps you build a more fulfilling life. So this what I thought was a very very cool and it a very it really surprised me how amazing they 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 pinpointed and zoned in on that theme with this film. It may it really. it it takes this film to another level, I mean, yes, the racing, and, you know, the aesthetics, and the technicality behind, that they put forward in building, you know, this Ford race car, is very cool, and very fascinating, and I think, I don't know how accurate the film is, but it seems pretty accurate, I mean, it doesn't really seem very overblown, but, um, and it's a very suspenseful film, and it's very intense, and it's a very well-made film. But I was really surprised with like the like the, them- like the thematic um, qualities of the film, and how much it actually touched me emotionally. And so I was really surprised that was surprised with that, and it really, really increased my love for this one. So um, let's talk about the acting a little bit. Um, I think, I mean, the best part about this film is Christian Bale. I mean. I will, you know, kind of give a disclaimer. I'm a huge Christian Bale fan. Um, he's one of my favorite actors ever. So every time I see him, I'm always excited. But, I mean, it's for good reason. He brings it every time. I mean, I think oh, my one of my little nitpicks is that, you know, Matt Damon's performance is good. But, I mean, his accent definitely slips up here and there. It's definitely not very authentic such like christian bale i mean ken miles i mean he seems i think he's english i mean christian bale himself is welsh so it's not that hard of a transition but christian bale has always nailed the accents and he's all he's a he's a dedicated actor he dedicates himself to a role look at the machinist look at vice look at the batman films you know three different like weight classes that he is you know and the machinist he's pretty much starving himself he's a skeleton and vice he's very overweight to play dick cheney and in the batman movies he actually shows up to the set and christian bale is like bro you're too buff so it's kind of it's kind of yeah that's actually true so he's like he actually got too jacked for batman but anyway so yeah christian bale brings it he steals every scene that he's in And yeah, I mean, it was kind of really hard for me to find any negatives with this. I mean, maybe the film's a little too long. It's a long film. I think it's over 150 minutes, which is, it's like around two and a half hours long. But I mean, like, I was entertained throughout the whole film. I mean, like I said, Matt Damon's accent isn't like the consistently good, but I mean, he's, he gives a good performance and there are scenes that he's really good and so I mean there's really nothing to not like about this film. Does it have the movie magic? I mean, what do you think, guys? What do you think? Yeah, it does. I mean, given what I've said about this film, of course it has the movie magic. I mean, we're talking about amazing racing scenes, intense, suspenseful, great story, you your relatable characters, relatable themes that can really get to you emotionally, especially at the end. Um top-notch acting, top-notch directing, you know, especially if you like, you know, type of, like, um, films that go back in time, especially that 60s time period. This is definitely a film for you. If you're a car nut, this is absolutely, this is a must-watch for you. So, yeah, Ford v. Ferrari, it's phenomenal. Check it out, and spoiler alert, it might be mentioned a little bit later on this episode of Nerd Out Sanctuary. So, yeah. Moving on to our second film... Of the day of the episode. I'm gonna be discussing this one a little bit more because I have a little bit more to say about this one. But um yeah, so let's go to a film on it's on that I watched on Netflix. I rented 4v Ferrari because I really wanted to see it. But this one was on Netflix, so I I I just watched this one. But this one has a this is a very interesting story. I I watched a film called Code 8 on Netflix. It's a sci-fi film. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a, a superpowered construction worker falls um, in with a group of criminals in order to raise uh, funds for to help his ill mother. So this film is very interesting because um, it, it it was based off of a short film that came out a, a long time ago. I want to say 2016 or 2015. I don't know when it came out, but I watched it when like when I was like it randomly on youtube and the short film is really good Of the similar name it's called code eight and this film was crowdfunded which is very interesting um the like at when production started it raised a little over 1.7 million dollars which was 860 percent of the target amount that they were trying to raise and by the time the premieres started it was around 2.4 million dollars so that was kind of cool and having having a film be crowdfunded is a really cool story and it's it's um it stars um the guy who play who plays uh, green arrow in the show arrow which his name what is his name hold on here it's not um robbie uh ammo um Robbie ammo is the man is the guy's cousin but his cousin plays a uh, um, Arrow and Green Arrow. Hold on. I'm I'm getting his name. Hold on. Relax. Relax, guys. Bear with me here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, why is his name not listed? Whatever. Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Steven. Steven Amel. Yeah, he plays Green Arrow, Arrow and Arrow. I think he's also in... He appears in Flash. Sorry about that, guys. I should have been more prepared. But anyway... So, yeah, they're cousins. They're, they star in this one. Um, uh, Green Arrow's cousin is the main character in this one. Um, but, yeah, he plays uh, yeah a guy who's super-powered. And um, the world-building in this one is really cool. Let's let's talk about if this film is actually good. It's a very cool story about it being crowdfunded, but is the film good? Now, uh, the opening of the film is... A, a bit hectic. It's a little hectic. A little bit hard to follow, but generally good and gives you really good setup of the world that you're in. It's a good world. It's a good world building technique that gives you like a montage of montage of like news clips and everything, giving you a touch what the the world is. And the world is there's super powered being people in this world, and they're pretty much discriminated against basically. And you also get look um in on this you know drug psych is kind of a big deal where I guess people. You know take spinal fluid out of I think superhuman superhumans and I don't know they use it I guess it's addictive but we'll get into that a little bit later but uh yeah it sets up the story it sets up the world these superhuman beings are kind of most of them like live below the poverty line they're struggling for money because no one's going to hire them because they're you know people are afraid of them they discriminate against them is this the most original idea in the world uh I'm not really, I mean, especially since we've have, uh, had X-Men and how popular X-Men is. It's not the most uh, original idea in the world, but I think this thing, this Code 8 can stand on its own and be a little bit unique, but let's get into why I think that is. Now, um, it's, I mean, it's about, of like, you know, a one-man struggle uh, of, you know, kind of trying to make ends meet and especially since his mother is sick and he's trying to get care for his mother but he doesn't have the money to because you know he doesn't you know he's below the poverty line he struggles for work and all only jobs that he can get are some like here and there construction job that construction jobs that pay maybe a hundred dollars in one day maybe maybe i mean like but that, those are very rare even getting work so he turn he turns to you know this this group of uh, criminals that um, steal money. Well, well, they don't steal money. They still steal a little bit more, but they're criminals, basically. So he gets caught up in that world. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I kind of want uh, to uh, talk about what the film does well. Um, the effects look definitely better here in the feature film than it did in the, in the short film. The short film looks really good, and the effects are very impressive, especially for a short film. Short films usually don't have a lot of effects in them and this and the short film does the short film is really good check it out it's called code 8 and it's on YouTube um, before before you watch this one before you watch this film but uh yeah uh, the the guardians these like po- uh, like police robots that are designed to combat people with superhuman abilities um, they look a lot better they look a little bit more intimidating they're very cool but I'm gonna get into them a little bit later but yeah they look cool it definitely gives you that Uh, District 9 Elysium feel like Neil Blomkamp like you know in Elysium those they had those like androids yeah those are pretty much the same thing it's almost borderline copying but I think they get they get away with it being a little bit unique uh the use of sound the sound design is very cool and very well utilized It, it gives a really cool feel to the film very futuristic type of gritty feel to it um, the action scenes, when they happen, are real, Are definitely film quality. They look really cool, especially when the Code 8 does happen. It's a very intense scene. It's very well done. I really liked it. I just, you know, those were the best parts of the film were the action scenes. Um, even though they were a little bit comic booky, and I, I felt like they could have been a little bit more, like I said, visceral and realistic, sort of like a District 9 Elysium. You know, like you felt like the violence felt really real <laughs> in those in the in the Neil Blomkamp film, and I think they could have went that route a little bit more in this one. But um, um, yeah. Um, also the acting, um, with it not being amazing, um, is not bad at all. The acting is definitely service. it's like serviceable. Um, it's a it's it's fine. Um, so yeah. But I think the main thing about Code Eight is. There's a lot of potential here. Um, I read somewhere that this isn't really the end, and the film definitely sets up something in the future, whether it's a TV show or another film or whatever it's going to be. But there's definitely the world that they build here has a lot of potential and it has a lot of potential to be great, especially uh, from a sci-fi fan. And I think it has a lot of potential to be a, a really good hard sci-fi, you know, dealing with real world issues, especially with immigration, with this new uh, um, presidential administration. There's a lot of really cool concepts that they could play with and could have could mirror with um modern day society that i would um help a good hard sci-fi film conceptually and so even just like having just being a really cool film has it has the potential to be um with the world especially with these you know the guardians being really kind of a cool concept and just people's powers and different classes of power you know people are like oh the main character is like what a class 5 electric So he is, like, electrical, like, powers. um, And, you know, a class 5 is pretty powerful. Um, So, yeah. Um, Now, the film does kind of fall a bit short on a decent amount of fronts here. Um, I I think the story itself um, isn't quite there to me. I mean, I felt like... I don't know if you really needed a criminal mob aspect to it. Like, I think the short film does a really good job of just kind of putting the superhuman um, guys in a situation that's just gets heated and gets escalates very quickly. And, you know, people do things, you know, that they regret, especially out of anger. And I think having that be where they go it was a little bit more interesting than like some dude who needs money turns to criminal you know or turns to you know crime and dealing with a criminal organization because there's a lot of potential even there that's a little bit missed upon sorry I'm, i'm drinking water today i'm not drinking any alcoholic or coffee or energy drink just straight water I don't know, I'm boring, but whatever. Um, I just think the co- also the cohesion, like, the flow of the film, it seems very fast. You know, there's a montage in the middle of the film that uh, is just, like, it's like... Wh- I don't really understand why it was needed, you know? Yeah, okay, the guy's, you know, reaching his full potential with his powers, but, like, like, do you really need that? I mean, can he just be powerful? Like, do you... Re- I, I, I thought the... I don't know, I didn't really think the montage was that great i guess it needed to perceive like a passing of time so the care like the whole like current like the characters can i guess have form a little bit of a bond but i don't i don't know um maybe i'm wrong about that but uh i don't know i just i I, the film seems to me to go a little bit quicker than you would want um also again the guardians they look cool but they don't, they're really not, I, I, they don't really seem useful. You know, they're specifically designed in the, in this world, specifically designed to combat, um, people with superhuman powers. But whenever they're like put up against a per, like a person with superhuman abilities, they get wrecked. <laughs> like, so it doesn't really make too much sense to me. Like the only time they're effective are against like normal people, it seems like. Like, they're just robots with guns. So, I mean, if you really think about the logistics of them, like, they're clearly very expensive to produce. Um, I'm sure they're very expensive to transport with those really cool-looking drone machines. Those look pretty cool. But, I mean, again, so... But they're not even... they, They get smoked when they get put up against a superhuman, like, superhuman. Like, every time they go up against a superhuman in Code 8, the film... They get wrecked. They get either electrocuted, their circuits get fried, or they get smashed by a weight, which makes no sense. I mean, a thing for this film to improve upon the next time is make them scary. Make them, like, combat combat a powerful superhuman and let them win in, like, a really, like, maybe gruesome way. Make them scary. Make them, makes them so the audience are afraid of them and the main characters are afraid of them. Cause it seems like the the superhuman characters are not afraid of these guardians. Mm-hmm. So also you're investing a lot of money, but like you, they're specifically designed, I guess, to combat superhumans. But like the purpose of them is to what prevent superhumans to use their powers. I would argue not because whenever you're dealing, you know, you're bringing bigger guns to a gunfight, the opposing force is probably also going to bring more bigger guns over time. So, yeah, like, they're going to face superhumans, but superhumans are going to ha- are going to be more motivated to use their superhuman abilities on robots that aren't people, you know? Like, I would think superhumans would be a little bit more reserved on using their powers on a human police officers, because it's like, oh, I might kill this guy. But they're going to use their superhumans on an inanimate object, that's property. Like it's just property damage at that point. You know, you're not being charged with like murder. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I did like they need to make the guardians more powerful and more scary, um, for them to actually work. Uh, another um, the action and violence, like I said before, seemed a little not. I mean, it's not cartoony, and sometimes it, it's definitely. It gets there to that intensity and realism, but I think you can go a little bit farther with it. Um, think Think District Nine, think Elysium, think Dread too. I'm gonna talk about that one a little bit later, but uh, yeah, it just it it seems like I don't know. It's the, the I think the film th- seems a little bit more too comic booky, and I think it needs to be a little bit more. Like I said, visceral. I keep using this the word, and I hate to keep using it, but it, it describes what the film really needs to be to make it really great. Um, also, make the make people make the people with superpowers more scary. You know. Give us a reason why they're discriminated against and why they can't get jobs. Because, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to believe, like, there's a character who can heal people. And some of these powers are incredibly useful. Like, it's kind of hard to believe that, like, these multi-million dollar corporations aren't employing these people. You know? Like, I don't don't really understand why they they can't get jobs. Like, them being, like, in poverty doesn't—it doesn't really—I don't know. I don't really— it's not very believable to me, but I mean, if you make them kind of scary, like maybe some like some superpowered guy people cr- like um commit some atrocities and put that into the world, I think um it gives a reason to fear these superpowered beings a little bit more. Like maybe pull in. Uh, I hate to bring in real life issues, but when nine eleven happened, a lot of people kind of wrongfully discriminated against you know the islamic community and people from that area, from that area of the middle east and people who um follow the islamic faith you know people were kind of afraid of them because of you know I, I, a, an, an atrocity that was committed by people who look like them you know and i think that could be a really cool concept to play with here and i think it would really serve the world and the story a lot more and make it a little bit more believable that you know all these superpowered beings are living in poverty and struggle for work because no one wants to hire hire them because they're afraid of them so i think making them a little bit more i don't know i don't i don't want to say powerful but like I don't know. Have something happen in the world that makes people afraid of them. So the audience themselves can be a little bit okay, so yeah, I understand why people are discriminating against them. Also, I think the film needs a better antagonist. I mean, there isn't a sort of antagonist in this film with like a, a, a shady gangster who can like, you know, read minds, I guess. But I thought he was kind of lame, to be honest. Uh, I, he wasn't very intimidating. They kind of tease this thing called, uh, this organization called The Trust, but they don't do anything with them. So I'm guessing they're saving that for the future. They do kind of set it, the, you only see them in the beginning and the end. So that was kind of a missed opportunity there. But, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe for an antagonist, maybe like a non-superhuman, but maybe they're like a big head in media and they maybe put out some negative propaganda to make these superhumans kind of down in the, down in the dirt, making them not be able to get any jobs. You, there's some very, um, high potential for character building there, you know, having them have, have negative, um, um, encounters with superhumans in the past maybe a death of a loved one or whatever I mean be creative other than some shady gangster like I don't know um but yeah uh, I think again I think the film just needs to be generally darker um think like I said Neil Blomkamp camp style I think it would really work even though the whole they kind of border the line of kind of copying Elysium with those you know guardians and the androids But uh, yeah, and try to like get a little bit more like get those highs on those missed opportunities such as you know, like the Guardians making them scarier, like uh, a little bit better of care better characters, you know, Um, there's some characters that like you don't really understand what they're doing, like why they're even there. I think having some character building moments would definitely help the film. Um, The trust, who the fuck are they? I have no idea. Maybe like expanding on that more. Uh, The drug Psych was a little confusing what the purpose of it was. I get it. Okay, they extract spinal fluid from, I guess, superhumans and people put it in their eyes. I guess it gets them high. I mean, but it's just it's just a drug that people get addicted two i mean i think that was kind of a missed opportunity maybe make it be specifically addicted to superhumans and maybe it enhances their powers that's why people take it but it's also very addictive like just do something interesting with it think of dread with uh, the drug slow mo if you're unfamiliar with dread and you haven't seen dread there's this drug in the film where you take it it's like an inhaler and it slows everything down, and it puts everything in slow motion, and it adds something, especially to the violence in that film. It really adds to the tone, and really, it, 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 it's it's a very interesting thing, and it's something that I've never seen before in a film. So think of that when you're dealing with this whole psych drug. Sorry, hit the just. I just need the table. So anyway, with all that, does does the film have the movie magic though? oh, man, it, it, this was kind of a hard one because I actually did generally like this film and I enjoyed it. And I, I think some of the emotional moments, especially at the end, were very well done, especially dealing with the main character's mother. I thought it was really cool and really, and I think effective enough. But just with all the missed opportunities and like the, the amount of potential that this world and this film had and it doesn't really reach... It doesn't really reach it. I mean, it's a decent film, and I don't really want to give every film the movie magic that I, you know, review on here. So I'm not going to give it the movie magic. It's kind of like a Big Time Adolescence where it's a well-made film, but I just think a lot of things really draw it back for me, Um, especially since I'm a a science fiction fan. I'm probably going to be a little bit harder on this one. But, uh, yeah, so it's definitely worth checking out. It's definitely worth a watch, especially since it's on Netflix. If you have a Netflix account, um, definitely check it out. Um, but, uh, watch the short film. I think the short film is really good and is, and it's definitely the reason why it got so much crowdfunding, but, uh, yeah. Um, it still has high potential because it's definitely setting itself up for something in the future, whether it's a TV show, another film, or whatever. It has potential to be great, and I think it could get there, but uh, hopefully it like takes into account of what I what I said. I mean, obviously they're probably not going to see this, but I think it would be valuable if they did. So anyway, Code 8, check it out uh, I, I would check it out, even though it doesn't have the, my movie, Mikey's Movie Magic, I still think it's worth watching, so, yeah, um, especially if you're a sci-fi fan, check it out, but anyway, so, now, getting, uh, to the end here, what are we, how are we on time, uh, 37 minutes, 40 minutes, okay, we're pretty good, not bad, not too bad, I'm recording, so that's always good, um, no, we're actually, yeah, around 37 minutes, so, uh, so, We're going to get to uh, my top 10 um, movies of 2019. I know I'm taking a break of the top 100. It's going to be back next episode. But um, for now, I really wanted to do this because there's a lot of films I don't want to talk about. So. I kind of put this into a couple categories. There's films that I haven't seen in 2019 that I that I just missed, and I thought maybe could have cheated themselves in, but I, I don't know. It's there's only a couple that I think really could have if I have saw them. And then there's a uh, there's films that I did see in 2019 that were just kind of fringe. They almost make it, but not quite make it. And then they're, I'm going to go over my top ten. So. For the films that I that I didn't see, that um, I'm just gonna quickly run them down: Jojo Rabbit, Rocket Man, um, Honey Boy, uh, Richard Jewell, Ad Astra, Ready or Not, Dark Waters, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Shazam, uh, Lego, The Lego Movie Two, Art of Self Defense, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So I think there's only a couple films that could have possibly made it, and that's like your Jojo Rabbit. Since it was nominated for Best Picture, I believe. Honey Boy, which I was really excited to see because I I'm a huge fan of Shia LaBeouf. Um, Dark Waters, that I heard incredibly good things about. Um, Peanut Butter Falcon, again Shia LaBeouf, uh, type of film that I I'm, I'm kind of into, and uh, Portrait of Lady Lady on Fire, which was a really interesting film that could have definitely cheated its way in here because I I kind of like those more obscure kind of art house type of films, and I. Kind of, I do, I, I, I will, and then eventually see them, but it's just, you know, I'm not gonna spend six dollars a pop renting all these films and watching all of them. I don't have the time or, you know, the capability of doing that. I don't really want to spend that money. But so the films that I did see, uh, um, in 2019 that didn't uh, make the cut. So we'll run them down, kind of talk about them a little bit. Um, El Camino is one, a great film. Um, but I don't really think it it doesn't really it's not amazing standing on its own. It just gives a really good closer to Jesse's story at the end. You have to watch Breaking Bad. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad, what the fuck are you doing? Watch Breaking Bad. But this gives a really good supplement to it, especially if you're like, "Oh, man, I really want more Breaking Bad." Watch El Camino. It's a really good watch. It's really well made. Um uh Aaron Paul does a fantastic job reprising his role as Jesse. It's really good. There's some really intense moments. It's just a really good film, um, but it's not—it's not really top ten quality. There's ten films that I thought were a little bit better, a little bit more enjoyable this year, well, last year. Um, Doctor Sleep. I'm kind of disappointed this didn't really uh, make the list, but um, the middle of the film definitely kind of drags a little bit, even though the like the beginning and the end are very strong. It, it is very long. It's a very long film, and it does rely on the whole like being a shining se- the shining sequel it definitely relies on that a little bit um so i think there there's one horror movie on my top 10 list that is definitely there um marriage story on um, the netflix original that's nominated for best picture both leading actors are nominated for oscars uh, incredible it's an incredible film and like probably one of the, some of the best performances of the year but again it's not a film that i'm going to rewatch. So I, it's, I it didn't really put it in my top 10. Um, once upon Ho- once upon a time in Hollywood, Quinn Tarantino's next on uh, what ninth film. Um, great performances, fun story. I really enjoyed it being a really huge film nerd. Um, so I thought it's definitely a film for that, but it's not his it's far from his best film. Um, I think it's it's not. I mean, I'm probably not. I'm not gonna rewatch this one as much as like Django, Kill Bill, fucking Pulp Fiction. You know, Inglorious Bastards, some of his great, greatest films. Um, Midsummer, another really great horror film. But again, I've Hereditary is a far, I think, superior film and. Definitely hit me a little, a lot more emotionally. Just uh, emotionally disturbed me a lot more than Midsummer did. But definitely, if you're a horror fan, watch Midsummer. You might really like it. Um, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, really great film. But again, the visual effects with the de aging, it it's very noticeable. Plus, it's three three hours and some minutes long. It's way too long. I'm not gonna rewatch it. <laughs> I'm I'm just not. But it's, very, it's a very good watch. It's a, I recommend watching it. John Wick 3, um, fun. I love Keanu Reeves. I thought John Wick 3 was great. But in my opinion, I think it's the least. It's not as good as the, the first and second one. Definitely not as good as the first one. The first one's the best. The first one is definitely top 10 film material. But I think John Wick 3, have it being one of the still really great action, awesome film. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, um, Jordan Peele's Us another horror film, but, um, I don't know, I, I still, it's, it's a good film, but it's just, it's still, it didn't really have that, I don't know, it factor that I really wanted it, what it's, wanted it to be, I mean, Get Out is amazing, Get Out is a phenomenal film, Uh, and I think Us is really cool, it's a really cool film, and it has a very, a lot of really scary moments, and I think an incredible performance, um, by the main actress, but I don't know. It just, it didn't really do as much for me as I really wanted it to. I think it kind of, it's one of those films that I had really high expectations and it didn't really meet them for me. A lot of people love this one, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm not really quite one of them. Um, on uh, the Netflix original, The King, um, really cool, uh, period piece, historical film. Apparently it's very accurate. Incredible performance by, uh, what's his face, uh, Timothy Charlemagne, really gives you an insight, okay, I see the Paul Atreides in you, he's gonna be Paul Atreides in the new Dune film, Denis Villeneuve's Dune film that's hopefully gonna come out at the end of this year, I fucking hope it is, I mean, with the coronavirus delaying all these productions and all these video games and everything pretty much, I really, I, oh god, I really, I'm so excited for the Denis Villeneuve's Dune film. Um. Spoiler alert! Once that that trailer comes out for Dune, I'm doing an entire episode strictly on Dune. It might be why I love. I'm gonna review the book. I'm gonna review David Lynch's film. I'm gonna review a documentary, and I'll review the uh, trailer for it. So expect that when the trailer drops. Hopefully, I don't know when that's gonna be though. Um, but The King again. It's a historical drama. Not really my genre. Plus. I don't know it's it's fun it's cool the end action scene ending action action scene geez I can't speak is really well done it's great but I don't know it's not ten, top 10 material I'm probably not gonna rewatch it so it's not in there and then uh finally uh, how to train your dragon 3 uh, fun movie um but again the first one and the second one are far superior to this one even though this is really good but I think there's another animated film that came out um in 2019 that I saw recently that is um a lot better and I don't think How to Train Your Dragon 3 there's there's top there's 10 better movies in this one so without further ado let's get into my top 10 movies of 2019 that's right um very weird I'm sorry let me take a drink of my water here Should we're at 45 minutes this might be a little bit long we'll see We'll see where we end here. So, number 10, we have uh, Knives Out, Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. I'm talking, like, let's just say, this one definitely, this is one of those films that exceeded my expectations. It's rare, but uh, it exceeded. I didn't really have any expectations going into this one. I mean, I still love Ryan Johnson as a director, especially with Looper and Brick. I get it. I know The Last Jedi happened, and that was primarily his fault. But, you know, people make mistakes. It happens, you know? I'm sure making a Star Wars film within a year, writing it and directing it and producing it within two years is probably no small feat. I mean, whether how good it is or not. And there are some really good moments of of The Last Jedi, but whatever. Knives Out is awesome all the way through. It's a great murder mystery. It's your good old, um, you know, homage to your classic Clue board game and the film um amazing acting performances great story twists and turns your classic murder mystery throwback it's awesome it's a really fun time and it's a, it's a, it's just one of those It's an incredibly fun time at the movies i do review it on my podcast i'm pretty sure it's one of those uh, episodes that i just record it's not on youtube but it's on audio podcast so check out that episode so, uh number 9 uh is a recent film that I just um reviewed last episode Uncut Gems. A lot of people have this one a lot higher, but I just don't think it's has the rewatchability as a lot of other films on this list. Um but I mean it's still amazing. It has one of the best performances of the year. Very big huge Oscar shnu- Oscar Schnub Snub. Um but uh yeah, incredibly well made. Safdie Brothers really bring it again. Um, so intense film you're pretty much on cocaine and psychedelic drugs throughout the entire thing. You're very paranoid. And I think the film captures, and that's 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 the purpose of the film. The, per, the film does that on purpose for you. So yeah, very intense film, amazing performance, really, really good film. Number eight, this is going to be a hot take for me, but this is just kind of my personal opinion. Number eight goes to M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. Um, I do a why I love my first very, very first why I love um, episode on the Unbreakable trilogy and I talk glass. So please check that out. I'm pretty proud of that video, even though it's not like my like full potential of my podcast, but I still think it's a really good video and I have a really good thoughts on glass. And I, and I argue that glass is a really good film. Yes. There's some opportunities that are missed and I, I don't think Shyamalan gets that, but I think it's still a really special film and it really, it's still as an unbreakable fan. I am, I will acknowledge I am biased that's why it's on here, but I mean, I, I had to put it on here, because I still love Glass, and I will, I'll, I'll re-watch Glass more than Uncut Gems and Knives Out. I just will. So, that's why it's number eight. Again, this is my personal list. This is not objective fact that these are the top ten best films of, the, of, of 2019. This is my opinion. Everything on this podcast is going to be my opinion. So, if you don't like it, I'm sorry give me your top 10 in the comments. Give me your top 10 or your top favorite films that I'm, that I forget. So number seven film that I just reviewed, Ford v Ferrari. Um, incredible. I will be rewatching this one. Once it get, comes like drops down in price on Blu-ray, I will be buying it. It's an incredible film. Um, a really good let in on just, you know, a, you know following your passion and not letting things get in the way of it it's it's a great film plus the racing the racing scenes are really intense incredibly well made it's it's a fantastic film um number six um the animation the animated film it won it actually won the oscar for best animated feature and deservingly so uh toy story 4 this one definitely exceeded my expectations. I did not expect Toy Story Four, especially a film in the fo- the fourth installment to a fran- to a series, being so um, to emotionally resonate so much with me. I was so surprised. This one blew me away. If you have doubts with you know Toy Story Four, it's like oh well you know I think their trilogy is very perfect. Toy Story Four is an incredible addition to the series, and I think is absolutely necessary to watch. So in its it's 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 phenomenal it's a really good movie and it's incredible it really surprised me that's why it's pretty high on the list so yeah moving on number five goes to uh avengers endgame yes this is a comic book movie and i've been slowly kind of being comic movied out but this is what how many years in the making here with this film especially this film came out in the around the same time Game of Thrones finished. And Game of Thrones failed so bad with the ending, in my opinion. I think the ending, especially season eight as a whole for Game of Thrones was so poor. And when this movie came out, it made Game of Thrones look that much worse because Marvel does it with the closure and the ending to a giant story. Um, Avengers Endgame, like... If you really think about, like, conceptually about how you make a film like this, it's it's almost impossible. Especially since they were do- trying to do it years ago. This was their main goal was to do this, and man, did they hit so hard! They hit on every single thing. I mean, I mean, what's the what's your criticism of Endgame? Okay, the whole use of time travel. It's a comic book movie. Get the fuck out of here! Like, I'm not. I'm going to argue the the concept of time travel in a hard sci-fi film because that's kind of like you kind of need to be a little bit more realistic and have, you know, your your concepts in place and like the logic behind it because it's a hard sci-fi. You know, this is not a hard sci-fi, it's a comic book film, so you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. But I mean just the action scenes unbelievable. The characters amaz- so much fun. R- risky film. Um um, it, it, the payoffs are incredible, you know, Thanos is still amazing, still the best villain of the, in the Marvel Universe, it's just an, it's an incredible film, and I can't say anything more that's positive that has already been, been said, so yeah, number five, Avengers Endgame, now number four, um, I, I reviewed, uh, the, sort of the beginning when I first started this back in December, I think I, in December, January, um, 1917, um an incredible war film world war one in fact which is I, I i haven't really seen any mainstream war films be set in world war one and wow sam mendes the shots the cinematography in this one shot uh cinematographer roger Deakins, probably the best in the game um just uh, the shots in this one are, are are mind-blowing i mean the film is i, I think it's taken in like a couple of like takes like a, t- a couple of shots, like four, and it's strung together to um, act like it's it's shot in, in one shot, one very long take, and it's it takes place in one like you know one day pretty much all like what like twenty four I don't know how long it's supposed to take, but it's an incredible experience. It's very intense. It's a war film, and it's one of the best out there. And yeah, um, Sam Mendez, it was incredible as a helming this one so yeah 1917 if you haven't checked it out check it out so um top three now number three is gonna go to Joker um uh Joker again another film that just kind of really exceeds expectations um you know uh, they could have went safe with this one they could have made a PG 13 they could have made they could have had a more comic book feel to it but no um the director um really stayed true to his guns they made it rated r they made it really dark almost very disturbing film um i'm I'm blanking on the director of this one sorry it's just what's his what's his name i need an i need todd phillips todd phillips the director stuck with his guns um brought in joaquin phoenix i don't think anyone could have played joker as well as joaquin did won the best won an oscar for best actor deservingly so um the small touches to the character like having that whole disorder being that he just laughs uncontrollably and you know the more upset he gets the more that he laughs and i think that was that was a mind blowing concept that they they added into the character. and they still stuck like stuck true with you know the the character of the Joker, how he's like he's an unreliable narrator. I thought that was really cool. That was perfect. Everything that I thought they could have done wrong, they didn't do. and everything that they you know they did right, they did really right. And I think Joker is an incredible an incredible film. Um, very topical uh, as well especially with you know the situation we're dealing with media and how media can really overblow things and kind of politicize it and also pervert it as well especially with mass shootings and that whole the whole thing dealing with that I thought was a really great take and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly and I think you know there's something to be said about the media's contribution to that whole issue, and I think this film really brings it out. And it's kind—it of, doesn't really make sense too much to me how much like how much controversy this film um, had when it came out. Um, but like, I—it's I, understandable, I guess. But I think it's stupid, especially if you're one of those people who said this is an, an irresponsible film. I think you're an idiot. Um, if you say that you're yeah, I don't want yeah, your opinion means nothing. You're you're just stupid. This film is an actually an incredibly important film to watch and it brings forward a lot of issues that we have with our own society and how these things kind of get, you know, heavily politicized and romanticized, if you will. And I think this the this film really really hits that on its head, so really great film, I was really blown, I was blown away by this one, so now number two, that actually won, surprisingly one Best Picture of the Year, Parasite, a foreign film, Korean, um, uh, directed by Bong Joon-ho, if you don't know, if you're unfamiliar with him, he directed uh, Snowpiercer, The Host, um, that Netflix original, Okja, Um, yeah, Parasite, um, objectively his best film, Uh, it's, it's incredible. It's a really great look on the class, on, you know, the class system, especially, I guess, in Korea. Um, you know, it's a great, it's a great political look. It's funny when it's funny, and it's scary when it's scary. And not a lot of films do that incredibly well, and this one does. Um, I think, I... I don't like this film was not the best of the year, but I agree with it winning Best Picture, and I'm glad the, the Academy recognized it, and it does a lot for foreign films because there's a lot of really great foreign cinema out there that a lot of people don't know about, and I think Parasite kind of got very popularized because of the Oscar, because of the uh, the uh, award, uh, its award-winning nature. So I think it, it definitely did a lot for foreign films. Um, and I think it's deserving because the film is great. And the writing is amazing. Again, you read subtitles, but like you can just tell the, the writing is phenomenal. And the directing, wow. Bl- like mind-blowing how good it is. Um, so that brings us to our be- my favorite film of the year. Now, this one's a horror film. And uh, it's actually a 24 film. Um, and it's The Lighthouse. Uh, yes, that's right. It's The Lighthouse. Uh, now I'm I'm looking for the director of The Lighthouse. Hold on real quick. The Lighthouse. Come on, load. Seriously? Okay. Roger Eggers or Egers or I forget how I don't know how to pronounce your name. I'm sorry if I'm uh, mispronouncing your name. But Stars Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. A great film that is set in one location. So weird, so unique. I've never seen anything like it. But yeah, it's amazing. And it's not just again, like Parasite, it's not just scary and creepy and disturbing. It's also hilarious. It's one of the funniest films I've seen in the year this year and it's the and it's the scariest and the most disturbing film of the year. You know, if you were looking for uh, <laughs> um, uh, mermaid sex, it's definitely here. So uh, that's it's 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 a weird one. It's a very it's a really weird movie, but it is so good. And Robert Pattinson gives his best performance. Willem Dafoe gives an amazing performance as well. I mean, oh. if you're looking for a film that has fart jokes, this is a movie for you. Um, it's incredible. Uh, I couldn't say better things about it. I review this one on my podcast. It's one of those episodes that's not on YouTube. It's just on audio platforms. So I appreciate you guys checking that that one out if you have. But uh, yeah, The Lighthouse, it's my favorite film of the year. And uh, I think it's a lot of people's favorite films of the year. Um, deservingly so. It's an incredible film. It's very unique. It's black and white. It's filmed in four by three frame. It's as the best performances of the year, I think it got snubbed. It should have been nominated for the best picture. But I mean, since it's all a 24 horror film, obviously, Academy doesn't nominate it. I don't know why the Academy hates horror films. I don't know, they should just develop its own category. But whatever, it's it's a conversation for another episode. But that's my top one. That's my top 10. So let's run down really quick. Uh, number 10, Knives Out. Number nine, Uncut Gems. Number eight, glass number seven ford v ferrari number six toy story four number five avengers endgame number four 1917 number three joker number two parasite and number one the lighthouse those are my top uh, 10 favorite films of 2019 and that's the episode guys that's episode number 16 and, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing this episode, guys, and I hope you guys enjoy this. If you know uh, anything about my channel, I like to give, like, sort of, like, a an, a message at the end. Um, but, I mean, again, it's kind of hard, especially at a time like this, you know, with this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing going around and the country being shut down and people hitting hard times. I mean, I hit hard times, too, but, I mean, I I got things taken care of you know things were not looking too great for, for me here since i'm I, i'm i'm not working i'm laid off uh, until who knows when i'm i'm hoping maybe be, like middle to end of may going back to work but uh you know um you know things it's okay to not be okay and especially you know if you're hitting hard times right now just know that tomorrow's a new day tomorrow could, probably will be better than today is so, you know, don't let those negative things get you down. Use those negative things, turn them into positive things, and use them as personal growth moments like I I try to do. And, uh, you know, things got better, got a little bit better for me, so I'm sure they'll get better for you. If they get, get can get better for me, they can get better for you. Oh, let's just say that. But, um, yeah, guys, you know, tomorrow's a new day, and, uh, yeah, that's the episode uh, um, I hope you guys are doing really well, again, I appreciate all your, your support, your comments, your likes, your subscribes, anything, um, is a huge help for me, and, you know, just you watching is, uh, is really awesome, so, that's episode, that's the episode, guys, um, then I'm watching, uh, the new, the, well, this recent, um, it's not a recent show, but it's a limited series, it's called Waco, it's based off of that whole Waco sec, um, um situation down in texas with that cult and the atf being at a standoff um it's it's pretty good i'm only two episodes in but uh, i'm gonna be reviewing that in my next episode probably another film and i'll continue my top 100 uh next next episode so stay tuned for that that might be in, in another week from from that from now so i might take a little bit a little bit of a break for a couple days and then i'll get back get back on the horse here but uh, yeah, hopefully this one uh, gets upload uploaded soon. So yeah, uh, yeah, guys, I uh, love all you guys, and I appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, that's the episode. I'm nerd. This is nerd out sanctuary. My name is Michael, and uh, see you on the next episode. Bye, guys.